Hello Fizzy Friday lovers and welcome back to this week's podcast. We had a bit of a break last week holidaying from home but we're back in business and myself and my mum Dr Liz are looking forward to bringing you some general Covid facts. So coming up is a roundup of that from the past few weeks. Enjoy! Hello mum, Dr Liz. Uh, Welcome back to this week's episode. Uh, So I've just mentioned that we were out of business last week for the long weekend. Also, you were not feeling so well. How are you doing this week? Well, I'm glad to report, my dear, that I'm feeling so much better. I just had a nasty little head cold, but it really floored me and unbelievable when you see the weather here at the moment the weather in Scotland last week was horrible it was like winter and I think that combination of the head cold and feeling cold and uh, I felt pretty rough anyway back uh, 100% now and feeling really good oh glad to hear that so since we're starting again this week I thought it might be a good opportunity for us to just take a little bit of a stock take and just recap where we're at with the virus uh, and any other bits of information just from where we're at now and where we've come from. I know it, it, it I think it's really helpful just to kind of pause and think five months ago none of us had even heard of coronavirus you yeah. know so what is this thing? So it's a a tiny little bundle of genetic material called RNA and it's covered with an outer protein coat and it's about 0.1 of a micron. Now, I had to look this up. I thought, what on earth is that? So it's about 80 billions of a metre in diameter. I mean, it's just tiny, the tiniest imaginable thing. However, it's managed to uh, create quite a storm and it's fortunate, I think, that uh, we, the scientists have just pulled out all the stops and we now know so much about it in such a, a short period of time. So what I thought I would do is just kind of run through where we've got to with the science. So number one is, you know, how does this mean? damn thing infected <laughs> what does it do mm. so initially it gets a hold um of us as we as we breathe it in and it latches onto the some cells in the back of our throat and from there it multiplies and then it spreads throughout the body and so it, is um, that is that why you it often it starts off that you feel like a tingliness in your throat it's it's often where you People are saying that you start off with a sore throat. Absolutely. So it goes into the, the, the back of the throat and the cell, it multiplies there. So your glands come up there. You feel the irritation and it becomes irritable. And that's what gives you that irritating cough. And obviously that varies from person to person. And I think that explains why some people have symptoms of cough and, and, and uh, some people don't. We, that's what we experience, but where do we get it from? And there are two routes of entry. It's mainly from droplet spread 
and that's from people who are already infected and it's just a standard i mean the common cold by the way is coronavirus as well and we all if you just think of the common cold how do you get it you get when people cough and sneeze and, mm. and that they spread coughs and sneezes spread diseases and it's actually just that simple science again but with this one uh the the the, the big droplets don't carry that contain most of the viral load when you cough and sneeze they don't travel very far at the very most they travel about a meter but mm. probably even before that they fall and when they fall onto a hard surface the virus will remain there and then there's also this light aerosol uh, that goes around and it's not really known i mean that goes much further but it's not really known whether there's sufficient viral loads there to actually infect you. Mm. And it's thought possibly not, which is why they're now thinking maybe a metre is all you need to socially distance and not not, not two metres. Yeah. Anyway, um, that's where we pick it up from. So what's and your thoughts on if, for example, now that the laws are relaxed or the rules are relaxing slightly on being able to socialise with people and if we're in a scenario where you're in the park with friends and you're all keeping a at least a metres different uh, distance but you are passing round some suntan lotion for example or some I don't know but yeah like, that's a good example Elsa. yeah I, I mean I have seen some statistics where they've said that probably between 10 and 15% of all transmission is related to hard surfaces. So it's at the lower margin. So don't get too hung up about it. But by mm. the same token, be sensible. The, uh, the social distancing is the single most important one. And the other one is just the hand washing. You know, it, it was the first thing that we're, we were told and it's there's i don't think there's anything that we can do more that, 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 that to beat this infection than just washing our hands it's like a new way of living and i think that's where we're getting to we're learning to socially distance and then we're learning the associated habits that also keep minimize the likelihood of, of virus transmission so i think that's where we are on the background mm. I thought it might be worth kind of updating on, you know, treatment and vaccines and kind of all that that kind of thing. Yeah. In terms of the vaccine, again, we covered that previously and there's the big UK trial going on. The slight issue they have there is that there's not so much coronavirus around in the community, but they're also extending uh, these trials globally. And they're looking at places where it's much more endemic at the moment. So places like Brazil, where it's much more prevalent, they're setting up trials there as well. I think they're getting close to evidencing whether or not the, vi the, the, the vaccine works. And it sounds like it's the vibes coming through are it does seem to be that it is effective in producing antibodies. And the the amazing thing is that the the big pharma companies have all swung into action and they're going to just go straight into production 
as soon as they know that that, that something works. So, so it I could mean, be potentially a speedier process compared to past. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, Elsa. Because they, I think as well, they, but this is the first time that we've truly had a global pandemic of this scale. And I guess that means that whichever pharma company is able to dominate the market on getting this to the people, they'll be rushing to make sure that they are the first ones. Definitely. And I mean, I think just in the way that so much scientific research has been, what, what the science labs have done is just have switched, they've stopped what they were doing and switched to researching this. It's the same with pharma. They're saying, mm. you know, okay, we've got 20 research streams, stop them, let's switch to this. Our manufacturing streams, let's switch to this. And they have enormous capacity. And, you know, this is where we realise we have to live in harmony and work with each other. I, I, I'm a... I'm an advocate of, of pharma. I think the quality of research they do is great. I think they're, they, they get a lot of bad publicity and they do make a lot of money, but they plow so much of that money back into research. And here we today are 100% reliant on them for, for manufacturing the vaccine. And we're very lucky in the UK to have AstraZeneca who are poised with a bit of government money has to be said and so it should be and they're poised to go so quite a bit of hope on that front it's, there's nothing there's no big news to announce but certainly it's it's going in a good direction and an encouraging direction so that's really good that's cool and i have some news as well that mm-hmm. i ordered an antibody test Oh, it's not arrived yet, but um, it's a fingerprint prick home test, mm-hmm. and it should be here next week. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've had coronavirus, um, but it will just be really interesting to know for sure, um, and with a positive result, I'll feel just a little bit more settled but oh I understand that yeah I did start to think this week about how I'd feel about having a negative result and I think because I've managed to find peace in my mind that I probably have had it I kind of go about my daily business without bothering too much about it obviously like staying staying alert um, but well done <laughs> you swallowed the propaganda <laughs> but I I do worry that I'll start to get a little bit more paranoid with a negative result so it's funny how, um, how everyone kind of talks about how great it would be to know and to have the antibody tests and in one way yes it is but there's more to it than that I think but um, but how's it going in general with the antibody testing? Okay, right, I will cover that. But uh, uh-huh. just to say, even if your result is negative, Ilza, you are in the age group where you, I mean, the chances of you having any complication of any significance with coronavirus are 
you know, it's less than you going out and getting knocked down by a car. So <laughs> yeah, I think you can relax. Uh, so I, I wouldn't want you to have it, but by the same token, I, I, you know, don't worry. If, if, if you get a positive result, then that then that then that's good. So the, there is good news on this front. Mm. Um, the, the the government have ordered a vast quantity. I think it's something like ten million antibody tests, and it's they they, they now have a quality controlled test from Roche in Switzerland, and I think there are some other labs going to produce it too. But but they've certainly got that one which is enormously accurate. And when you say the word accurate, there there are two elements to it. And the first one is that if you have antibodies in your bloodstream, then it can definitely detect them. And it's got really high accuracy on that. Mm. And the other one is that it doesn't confuse those antibodies with any other ones. And again, it's got enormously high accuracy on that. The... the uh, the tests that have been available, I think Semichem have withdrawn theirs and there yeah. are a few others. And it's around this thing, sensitivity, specificity, it doesn't matter the terms. But basically, some of the finger prick tests that have a, a low sensitivity, uh, the problem they had was they were given some false positives and it was related mm. to the fact that people maybe had antibodies to the cold coronavirus that they had earlier in the year and it wasn't actually COVID-19. Right. However, I think, well, certainly the, the, the Roche one doesn't have that. And I think if you look at the sensitivity and specificity of the test, you, you would be able to work out whether or not you're... you're if, you, if it's a negative result, it probably is negative. If it's a positive, as long as it's got, it's got a, a high specificity, then, then you're, you're, you're fine. Well... So they've ordered 10 million of them now, the government? Yep. And I think the plan is to uh, get the all the health and care staff tested, first of all, so that they know whether they're vulnerable or not. And thereafter, I don't think they have a plan quite as to how it's going to be rolled out, but mm. it will be brilliant when we, we can find out. I mean, there are some research the office for national statistics posted something today it was in the paper and i read it and it was very confusing research but it was suggesting that it may only be as low as something like seven percent of the population that's been infected but you know that takes into account london where it's definitely going to be much higher than that and rural scotland where it's probably you know 0.05% of the population so I think I I think at the moment we don't know and the sooner we get a few more facts the more reassuring all that's going to be yeah and we're getting there I mean I am just amazed how quickly the science is moving it's really moving at pace we're definitely getting there and the sooner the better and so do you have any Fun fizzy facts for us this week, Mum. <laughs> well, I did come across one earlier in the week which tickled me. And uh, see what you think. So now, believe this or not, <laughs> this is done with proper scientists, 
and they have come up with a fact which is men with long ring fingers have a lower risk of dying from COVID-19 and are likely to suffer milder symptoms than those with short ring fingers. (laughs) (laughs) And that's not an innuendo, is it? Well, you do wonder. I mean, men do love to measure things. After this podcast, all the men will be out there with their measuring, <laughs> measuring their ring fingers. <laughs> so it has been shown that in countries where men have shorter ring fingers, um, they have a much higher death rate than than than, than others, and uh, and as I say, they suffer milder, uh, they suffer more severe symptoms. Now there is actually a logic in this, so. The length of your ring finger is determined by testosterone in the womb. And we then jump to the next bit, which is testosterone is thought to be protective in COVID-19. We've spoken about that before, about the hormones and women being superior race and so forth. And the length of the ring finger is a proxy for the amount of testosterone in the room and therefore for this uh, type of protection. So that's how it all comes about. Mm. (laughs) It's just, when you say it, it sounds like you've got to be joking. That's so funny. (laughs) I love that fact. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good dinner party fact. And finally, is there what's your fizzy tipple this week, Mum? I know. Well, we are, we are about to start uh, at seven o'clock on our online bridge, so we're we're uh, we're doing a a seven till seven thirty Zoom, and then it's some serious bridge after that. So, I, I I've got this dilemma where I, I like to do you know I like to have some alcohol and a, a little bit of a cocktail with with the chat, but I need to have a moderately clear mind for uh for the bridge yeah so uh so with dinner we had some of berry brothers white burgundy and oh my god it is such a buttery gorgeous white burgundy so i think i'm, I'm not going to go anywhere near hard al- alcohol i'm just going to have another <laughs> glass of berry brothers <laughs> that sounds nice and i'm glad to hear you're steering clear of the hard alcohol <laughs> Yeah, I need looked after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what about you? Anything, anything interesting tonight? Well, I have been made burritos uh, by Julian this evening, and Ooh. which were delicious. And I'm now enjoying a glass of Sauvignon Blanc from his homeland of New Zealand, which is Zealand extra Zealand. delicious oh, as well. Gorgeous. One of my favourites. Same. <laughs> Cloudy Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Well, we'll catch up officially next week, but before then, for sure. Cool. Sounds good. Season. Bye. Enjoy the sun. Bye, Bye. darling. Bye. That's all for this week, folks. But looking forward to next week's podcast where we have an exciting feature planned on habits, how to develop good ones and get rid of bad habits, as well as a roundup of the week's news. 
see you then bye